Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional grade industrial supplies. Count on real time product availability and fast delivery. Call clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Welcome to Believe in 76ers with your hosts, former 76ers point guard Eric Snow and two Sixers fanatics in Marcus and Tasia Dash. Believe in 76ers is presented by BetOnline.ag. BetOnline remains your number one source for all your college basketball betting this season. Get analysis of every play, prop, and point at BetOnline. You'll find the latest odds, bracket contests, team matchups, and game trends at BetOnline. Updated odds for everything from live games, the conference championships, right through the Final Four and championship game. BetOnline is your college basketball headquarters this season. Head to the website today or use your mobile device to sign up and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Be sure to use our promo code BELIEVE, that's B-L-E-A-V, to receive your bonus. BetOnline.ag, where the game starts. Hey guys, welcome back to another episode of Believe in the 76ers podcast. I'm Marcus Dash here with legendary 76ers point guard Eric Snow and my brother Tasha Dash. Guys, we want to make a special shout out to our guy, Eric. It's his birthday week. Eric, happy birthday, buddy. Thank you, man. Appreciate it. Man. I know. I was, I was upset. I, I missed the, uh, the the shindig where uh, you and Tasia got to uh, celebrate your birthday together. I, I was upset. I, I couldn't make that for other obligations I had prior yeah, to that. Yeah, we, don't, we don't need to share that. what happened with you. You didn't come, so. <laughs> <laughs> you just didn't play in the game, man. Yeah, That's I mean, it. Yeah, you just didn't play in the game. You stayed, you yeah. stayed at home. Well, we went on the road, so yeah, yeah. that's right. You pulled an Embiid, and we, we went out, closed it out in game game five. <laughs> Coach's decision. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, so obviously the Atlanta closed out the series with Boston. Um, so we've we're gonna have it over a week rest. So going into um uh mm-hmm. game one on Monday, I gotta ask you, Eric. One thing I've seen before we get into the questions, people have been talking about how oh. I think Stephen A. might have mentioned it, but working a week off, Celtics had a longer series. They're only going to get a couple days off. Is there a little bit of rust that you have to worry about when you have more than seven days off in, in the playoffs? I mean, I, I've seen it both ways. I've seen it work for teams. I've seen it work against teams. Um, I think it's, it all comes down to if you win that game. Whatever narrative people want to talk about, if you win the game, and you win the series, then it, whatever narrative they have will, will disappear. So it's all really all about winning the game. So I don't, I don't. Those guys are professionals, and yeah, you want to keep playing um, <clears throat> the game, but you also want to get the best medicine you can get, rest. So um, I think it's a fine line. I mean, I think <clears throat> um, you know Boston in their series. I'm, I'm sure that. They're excited that they're not playing on Saturday. You know what I'm saying? So I, I, I don't think it's I don't think it's a right thing for to say. Like I don't think it's right if you do have a lot of time or if you don't. I think it's that particular team, that particular player, that particular situation. And I don't think that it can happen any. I mean, I think it could happen anyway. I just think it's sometimes it. It helps you. Sometimes it doesn't. I also like that we're playing a team that I think the Nets are more relatable to the Nets are closer to Boston than Atlanta is to us. So it's like we're we're playing a similar team to when we played, whereas we're nothing like Atlanta. So um, it's just I, I I that I do like at least we're we're, we're kind of going from. A, a worse version to a better version, whereas they're just playing a completely different team. So they they should technically have more growing pains in this series, at least at the beginning. Yeah, that's is that is that anything, Eric? Like where when you 
when you're playing a team that has that's like not similar to the other team at all? Could that be some kind of growing pains like Tasia mentioned? Could that be something that play? No, I mean, in, in my experience, it, it it doesn't. I mean, I think no, no I, I think it's because you move on to you look. It's the styles are different, but you really move on to what are you going to do against the best players? Um, so you may look at the Hawks and it was more of a perimeter style players and a big that was a pick and roll and lob threat. Whereas now it's, okay, they're going to play through their big. Their big is going to score a lot more points. Um, and they still have scores on the, you know, at the guard position, but their number one option is now a different look than before. So it's, it's adjustments, but it's also a situation where you still have the same focus as far as, you know, option number one, we got to try to limit option two. You just have a different way of approaching it because we have a different guy style. This, um, but, you know, you're still working on a game plan to execute it and stopping and limiting that number one option. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, it would be different if, if um, you know, we didn't play them, you know, but I think that even with it being in the same division and we playing four times, they're familiar. They're, they're very familiar with us and they're very familiar with um, how we play. So um, while we were playing our series and while they were playing their series, they had someone watching all of our games and breaking down all the film and breaking yeah. down all the tapes. So, so that is, it's, Yes, the team is just moving. The team and the players are just moving on to the Sixers. But the staff and the personnel has has already <laughs> dissected um, that series and watched that series and broken it down. So right when that game was over, guys were getting, you know, well, we got videos. I don't know what they get now. They probably get, you know, something on their iPod or <laughs> iPad. I mean, you know, stuff on their iPad to start looking at separate situations and, developing the game plan. So that they're already working on the readjustments. That was already done for them. So I know that um, you know, by us sweeping the nets, it kind of made their job easier because it wasn't going into a game seven and you had to prepare for both teams. Um they, they were pretty much just preparing for us and they've been doing that this whole time. That guys were breaking down all the film, all the plays, all the sets. Um, the personnel, what a guy does when he does this, does like all of that is already done. So, like I said, when that game was over, you may have a guy that will say, hey, man, I'll, I'll take a look at it. You know, Tatum, I'm, and I'm saying, I'm not saying any of these guys are like this. I'm just saying, I'm giving an example. Tatum may say, hey, I'm good. I'll look at it tomorrow. You know, Smart may say, give it to me over so I can look at it on the plane right back. Um, and everybody's different, but then the team will get whatever they whenever they're gonna meet sure they didn't practice but they meet and they start breaking down the game plan and, and initiating it putting it in um individual game plan position game plan team game plan and how you going to execute it you know all that will start today and and that's why i've always said um the more days in between that you give a team the more you kind of help them prepare. Whereas if we happen to play tomorrow, how much can they really digest to make that switch in two days? But yeah, in Monday, if you're talking about Monday, now all of a sudden they rest and they can digest. So. Yeah. It actually helps them too, for us to kind of steamroll our opponent as well. I mean, I they focus on one team and one team only. Gives them more time to only focus on yeah. one. I didn't really one think team. of that. Before. That's what I'm saying. I mean, it's not the players, but you know, people that are putting it together. Mm-hmm. They just they just put it all on one team. Whereas our staff was probably leaning Boston, and then when they get lost game five, now all of a sudden you gotta kind of balance it out a little bit. Um but you know, that's the work that's done behind the um camera. Mm-hmm. And uh, I believe Celtics and Sixers uh, have met the most of any any two uh, teams, teams. Ever in the playoffs. This is kind yeah. of just crazy. So, um, 
So yet yet another uh, another battle upcoming for the two uh, franchises. Yeah. Um, so uh, let's get into our first topic here. Uh, so obviously we mentioned we had the sweep in the first round, the only sweep of the first round. Then uh, Celtics and Hawks went six, uh, and the series starts Monday. And seems more so that the main headline, be more so than Sixers versus Celtics, is Joel Embiid's injury and his knee. So it's another playoffs and another uh, another year we gotta we'll focus on an injury with uh, with Embiid. Um, seen multiple different reports. One said he could miss game one. Another one said that he will play but with a brace on. Um, so my question to you is, obviously, how does this change the series and what part of Joel's game will be impacted the most with this injury? I mean, it changes it drastically if he's injured. <laughs> I mean, you, it, it, that's what, if you, if you go back to the first time we started the show, um, our successes has a lot to do with Joel's health. Um, and if that's limited in any way, it does decrease our chances. I'm not saying it's impossible, but it does decrease our chances if he's limited. Um, so, you know, he's played through injuries before, and, and I know he's capable of doing that. Um, but the concern is there because, um, one, we we know that it's something, but, two, we, we don't know the severity of it. Like, we, we really don't know, and we won't know until um, – he starts playing. I think if he he's playing and he's himself, then we gonna be like, oh, okay, you know, cool. He, he, he can play through it. Um, like I said, he has had time off, and we will not have any back to backs. Um, but one thing, one other concern with that is, um, first thing, first game's Monday, correct? Yep. Um, yep. With a Monday start you won't have as many days in between games. You won't have that. You may have one one game where it's two days in between. Yeah. Um, and that's where it, that later start kind of like, okay, like, you know, probably the first five games or so will probably be every other day. I haven't even looked at the full schedule yet. but It, it, it is every other day. For five for the first five games? Yeah, I believe only one game if there's a two, there's a two guys. Yeah, so because they're trying to get – they're trying to get two weekends in. Um, and when that happens, they're trying to get those two weekends in. You, you're looking at the limited days, even though there's no back-to-backs, you know, you still don't have the luxury of them trying to stagger games like they do in that first round. Um, you start on Saturday, they could stretch that series out a little bit. But that Monday start, that was the first thing that came to my mind was, yes, he has more time off, but it may only be one you know, one two day break. So ho- hopefully, this break that he has had um, with this, you know, by sweeping the nets, it has given it a chance to calm down, swelling, calm down, and build the strength that he needs in order to get it to a point where he can maintain consistency and hopefully not have to miss any time. Deja. Um, yeah, I mean, changes, changes everything. I, um, think even as far as what gets impacted, I expect this pick and roll game to go, I guess that part of this game, I would assume go the most unfazed of all of his. So Joe will be able to set picks and just kind of pick and pop. So his mid range is going to have to be on the series. Um, I see less banging from him. I see less chase down blocks. Uh, I see less twisting, turning Euro step type guard moves. Um, defensively, even if he's a half step slower, being let's just be nice about it, um, that's going to make a huge difference because he makes up for a lot of other defensive deficiencies that we have. Um, Paul Reed's going to have to play the way he played Brooklyn, which is awesome. He probably made himself a lot of money in that series. So let's see if he can keep that going. Um, but yeah, I think if if Joe's mid-range game's off, then we're in massive trouble. Because that's the one game part of his game I feel like he could look like his old self. I think everything else will be a big difference. Because I mean, he's not gonna just 
He's not going to just jump up there and try to slam the ball as he normally would, because that's actually that and blocks would usually get him into trouble as far as injuries go and the way he falls. Those are two of the plays that have the biggest impact on him. So, yeah, this is going to have to be the the mid range game for Joel, the series, mid range series for Joel. Yeah, I mean, I, you know, just thinking, you know, piggybacking and talking about the impact. It's kind of tough to kind of pinpoint one thing until you kind of watch them. Yeah. Like, you know, we we've heard the injury and we know um it's something, but we haven't seen them. So we haven't seen them move. We don't we haven't seen them play. Um just from a playing through um injuries and playing with an injury, um, I would say for a guy like him, the biggest concern would probably be his pick and roll defense. Um, are they going to drop? Are they going to have him up? Um, and if a guy like Tatum is in that pick and roll, how are you going to address it? You know what I'm saying? Like, how how, how is he going to be able to – I'm sure he can still protect the rim if he's at the rim. Um but are you going to extend him? Are you going to have him come up or are you going to have them guys come off and get clean looks? Um, what can you do differently from that? If, if, if he's able to defend that at the same rate, then my concern for defense isn't as much. Um, if Al Horford's in it and he's picking and popping, will he be able to rotate out to that? We'll find out um, because they're those are the things that they're going to do to try to see where he's at. Um, run him in transition. Whoever he's defending is going to try to leak out and run out and try to get him running to flatten him, running in the pick and roll. So, um, excuse me, I think that that's where we're going to have to see where he's at. Offensively, he'll be able to score the basketball. He'll be able to score the basketball. Um, it's just going to come down to, is he going to be able to fight for the position that he's used to maintaining and getting? Um, if they're doubling him and making him more active, does that wear on me? But my, my concern isn't as high on offense as it is on defense and transition defense. Do you think they start out doubling him or do you see how it goes with Orford playing him straight up first? I believe that they'll playing straight up on the perimeter. I think that if he's deep, they'll double him. I do believe that on the perimeter, I think they'll double him maybe when he dribbles. I do not see them just running at him on the catch in ISOs like the Brooklyn did. Yeah. Um, I do see him playing straight up on the perimeter, even even at his, at his spot. 15 and 17 feet out. Now, if he's knocking down every shot, then yes, they'll make an adjustment. Um, but I do not see them. I'm speaking more from what I would do. I, yeah, I, yeah. When I say that, I would not double him on the catch. They probably want to see how his knee is too. Yeah, you know I'm saying I would. I would try to see what he can do. Yes. Um, starting the game, um, if he can, if he's just killing guys getting to the paint, getting guys in foul trouble. But even if he's just making jump shots, I'm not necessarily inclined to just go run the guy at it right away. Um, Because it's it's almost like now we're giving other guys a shot. And I think the one thing the Sixers has been really good at is even though when they try to give a specific guy the shot, like like PJ guys leaves, there's – you know, PJ doesn't necessarily always be in that corner and be the guy shooting. Sometimes he may dive and have somebody else have to play him, or he may set a screen and another guy gets a shot. Um, so we play really, really well off of Joel being double team. And I just can't see them just jumping right into doing the same thing that the Nets did. I just just don't I would think that they would try to see something different first. Yeah. Yeah. Um, 
as far as the LCL spread, I think I saw someone, one of the, the those doctors that tweet about one of the sports doctors online was saying that the reason why you may have seen him fall so much in game four was due to this LCL injury. I don't know. I'm, I'm, I'm not a doctor, but that's, that's what uh, that makes sense. I think I mentioned that to Eric on uh, when I was, when I saw him, I, I kind of said that he, cause it was, it, he was losing his footing a lot. Like he was, he couldn't like stand. <laughs> I, I mean, I understand. I was just like, we were talking about it. I was just like, we just don't know because he does fall a lot. Yeah, it's hard to gauge <laughs> that. Says, yeah. It's hard to really gauge, like, not that he got injured. It's like, is that why he was falling? Like, it's just hard to gauge. Yeah. yeah. Is there – this is something that I know right now in the NFL, right, smokescreen season. Um, and I, I was wanting to ask you this as far as um, with Doc and maybe overplaying or maybe possibly, you know, overplaying or overselling this injury of Embiid's. Do you think there's any benefit to that if that is the case of maybe Doc saying – I think Doc said 50% and then Ramona Shelburne saying he's going to play and she said she's more worried about James Harden's play in uh, this series rather than Embiid's injury. So I, I'm curious, is there any – I guess it, would there be any benefit to Doc possibly overplaying or overselling this injury of Embiid's in the series? In this particular case, being that we, we got a sweep and there's been – you know, it'll be over a week before we play a game. I don't see the benefit because if you ask most people, I think most people would assume that he's going to try to play. If he doesn't play, it doesn't matter what small screen you sent. That's telling people that it's more serious than we anticipated. Right. If he does not play after all of this time. Um, so I don't really think you can really – hide this situation because we're going to find out. We're going to find out. Yeah, It's, it's just a matter of being on Monday. Yep. So, but I would most, most thing I've most people I've talked, spoken with and what I've read, most people seem to think um, that he's going to play on Monday. Um, I think when Doc came out and said if the series started, you know, beginning of the series, it looked like he's not going to play the beginning of the series. Um, I, I do think Doc, Doc was being honest, but I think Doc was being honest on at that particular time. Mm -hmm. Now, if Doc comes out and say that today, that's a high, that's a concern for me. Yeah. But it wasn't a concern for me for him to say that a day or two after the game. Yeah. Any experience with the LCL sprain, Eric? Have you no. ever had? No. Yeah, I just that I think I, I read online that um, with grade one sprains with the LCL, which I'm assuming this is a grade one. I, I don't know. I'm not a doctor, but I don't, I don't really know the exact how, how the extent of it. But everyone's kind of downplaying it as far as the reporters and stuff. But it's about three week recovery time for a sprain, and he's gonna he's gonna have a little over a week in this one, even if it is a grade one sprain. So it's um. Yeah, yeah, three 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 week recovery doesn't necessarily mean that you can't play. Mm. It, it it just means that you gonna feel this. Yeah, <laughs> you know for these three weeks. Yeah. So. Yeah, I and mean, if you look at it, the, the we're gonna get into his, his injury concerns in the next topic, but if you just look at his history of playoff injuries, this might be kind of one of the, uh, I guess. Um, not as bad of all the other injuries he's had before in the in the uh, in the playoffs. I would say this is one of the worst ones he's had. So, which is, we'll see. We'll see. We'll be able to find yeah, that. I, I wouldn't. I wouldn't say that yet. Yeah, <laughs> that's what we'll see. Um, but okay, yeah. Go, going into diving uh, into Embiid a little bit uh, more. Um, another injury for him, um, especially in the playoffs. Uh, so, my question, to you guys, um, is this another case of bad luck, or is it just what we have to put up with? Um, when concerning Embiid um, now and in the future? I mean, unfortunately, he, you know, his first season was on an injury. Um, unfortunately, injuries are following. So, it's hard not to <laughs> say what if, you know, because of the, the history of injuries and you have to, it has to be concerning because it's a history of it. Um, 
unfortunately for Joel and us, you know, a good amount of the history has happened during the playoffs. Um, that's what's disappointing. You know, it says the guy have an injury, but he's good to go the whole playoffs and you ride it through and see where you at. I, I, I would just love to have, have him good and that not be an issue in the playoffs, but you know, my best run I've been in, you know, with the Sixers, injuries was a concern. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? So I get it. It happens. Um, I'm sure other teams are going through something too, but no matter what, um, this team is still going to be judged on how well they do um, if Joel's on the court. Yeah. I think. Now, if he doesn't play, then you can say, okay, well, he didn't play. But if he's on the court, um, sort of like the Bucks, Joel, um, Giannis is on the court. We all know we could watch it and tell he was injured, but he was yeah. on the court. So you judged on him being on the court, not on him being injured. No one's going to remember that in three you years. Know what I'm saying? You know? <laughs> yeah. And that, that thing about sucks to play is playing injured is that, you know, you people will think about it for a moment, but like in the third quarter, yeah. you know, that game, everyone's like, he's playing, he's fine. Yeah, he's playing, so he's fine, yeah. <laughs> yeah, he's just playing like shit. He's not a good player anymore. Oh, he's downhill. Yeah. It's it's like, yeah, it, it always – and that really sucks. I mean, it it, ha- it started – I saw that when, um, when Harden was playing with that partially torn hamstring for uh, the Nets that year. It's like everyone – he was – I mean, he was playing on one leg pretty much, and everyone was just judging him as if, like – He's starting to lose it. It's like, man, he—that's what he gets for trying to play with like one leg. I mean, come on now. Um, I'm like, I'm so I'm beyond the bad luck excuse. It it sucks. It's just bad timing, really, right? But I guess I I came up with a few theories of why it happens in the playoffs. But I mean, it doesn't mean anything. The intensity level rises. Everyone's playing harder and plays more minutes. He goes for more blocks, maybe. He he sells out more and dives. And the thing is, he plays like that all season. I, I And Bede's not a guy who kind of, like, rises up in the playoffs. He does this all year round. I mean, he dives for balls with, like, three minutes left in the 20-point game in the fourth quarter. I've seen it. Um, so I, I look back past couple years. So this year, going for the Cam Johnson block, he hurt his knee. You can see kind of him on that landing. You can see his knee kind of hyperextend for a quick second. Um, last year, the torn ligament and thumb. I don't exactly remember how he got that. Was he trying to block a shot and hit like the rim or a backboard? How, how did he get that? Do you guys remember that? I, I, think, I think it might have been rim, some rim related. And he started I, kind of shaking it afterwards, yeah. or did he get caught on somebody or something like that. He was trying to like, but, but that was a continuation of something that happened at the end of the regular season, and that just carried over. That injury just re-injured it. Playoffs, yeah. Um, and then in in the actual playoffs against them, he the Siakam block and his face orbital fracture, right? Yep. Okay, so the year before that, and concussion. Yes, that's yeah. right, and concussion. So we brushed over that one. <laughs> um, year before that, he had the awkward landing on the dunk versus the Wizards, which led to the torn meniscus, right? Yep. And then. The year before that, it wasn't actually an injury. It was a stomach flu he had in the Toronto series. Right? Yep. Um, am I skipping anything? No. Uh, the uh, Did he have an injury the um, bubble year? He had an ankle. Oh, Brett Brunson, he had an ankle injury. He was yeah. battling an ankle injury is what he said. Um, so it was no like apparent like fall, hurt his ankle grabbing it. So he just had like wear and tear. So the, that's probably the most mild case he's had in the last like five years, that one. Um, cause remember he needed an IV in the Toronto series cause he was so depleted cause he was having that stomach flu and upper respiratory illness. Yeah. Um, I mean, it's, I don't know. I mean, I just think we deal with it. This is, this is his like kryptonite, right? I mean, he's an amazing player. He does things that no one else does. And this is just the downside of a guy who's seven, one, 300 plus doing things that a guard does that sometimes, you know, like when guys commentate his games, like, you know, a guy his size shouldn't be able to do that. Well, that's what happens when a guy that size does that all year round. I mean, he's going to be susceptible to freakish, you know, twists and turns and injuries, right? 
on top of the fact that he gets fouled more than anyone else in the NBA. So there's also that. He also gets hacked and hit awkwardly and flagrants don't get called when he gets smacked in the face going for a dunk. Yeah, all kinds of stuff happens. So it's something we're going to have to put up with. Is it going to get a lot worse as he gets older? You'd say yes because it's aging and, you know, when, as you age, you're, you're healing and you're more susceptible to injuries. But I think as he gets older, he'll also stop doing some of this Euro-stepping guard. He'll become maybe more of like a backup, you know, uh, Ewing towards the end of his career. More mid-range, more more fadeaways, more, you know, like, you know, fadebacks. Maybe that will cut down on the injuries as he starts to age. I don't know. But it's kind of something we're going to have to deal with. I just, in the injuries that I had, all the injuries that I had was like, Freak, freak play. Yeah, like, it wasn't me doing anything that I wasn't going to do during the game. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? It wasn't like I was trying to dunk. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Or do something that that I don't normally do. Um, and they all happen. So that's the tough part. It's like yeah. it's just, you know, just what it is. He's had what two orbital fractures, two in his career, right? The Markel Fultz land, hitting and colliding with him, and then the Siakam one. That alone is like, man, that that's another playoff one too, because he was the master in that Celtics series, that first one, first time around. But he missed. That was a little ways before the playoffs. He missed like twenty games because we actually went on a win streak. I think without him, right. we played really well without him in that in that stretch. It was like, oh man, we might be okay. Um, but yeah, that was like I think twenty or so games before the playoffs. But he was out for a long time for that. Yeah. Which makes his quick return in the Toronto coming in the next series against uh um God, who we play the next series again after Toronto? I oh Miami. That's right. How could I forget? Um see he was so forgettable. We hardly showed up. I forgot. Um <laughs> but yeah, it, it, that's what made his quick turnaround for that so incredible. Like they they seem pretty like comparable, those two hits, but I guess the I guess the Fultz one was worse. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I mean, in regards to the, the, the LCL sprint, if it is that on the base and that hyperextension of that play with Cam Johnson, I mean, that was, I mean, he wasn't doing anything out of the ordinary. You know, that's just like Eric said, it's free. I mean, shit happens, you know? Yeah. 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 Um, but hopefully he looks good as new on Monday. <laughs> Knock on wood. Um, okay, so now we're going to get into some quick hitters, just like we did with the, the net series, um, just based to preview this. Boston Celtics versus 76ers series. So um, first question um, kind of ties to that one, but uh, which 76ers player are you most worried about? If it's MB, then who's the next player up on that list for you? <laughs> um, I, I want to say James, but I think James is, that's like always going to be there each round. You know what I'm saying? Like the the, the James factor. I don't believe yeah. it's going to shift ever with him. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm going to say Maxi this series. I'm going to say Maxi this series because one, um, we really, really need a scoring. We will need a scoring to be consistent and efficient. Um, but we're really, really going to need perimeter defense. Um, because it's, if that's not there, I really don't know what we're going to do. Um, we can play Melton more, like, because it's, they have some guys on the perimeter that can score. Deep team too. Yeah. And I'm not even talking about their top two players. You know, I'm talking about. You know, Brody can get it going, and you know, White plays. He's playing much better playing off of them, and you know, smart as you can see, put us up twenty points a game and twenty plus in a, a closeout game with no plays called for. Um, so the more we're able to not help and not get in rotations and play one on one defense, the better. Um. And, and I do believe that they'll chase Max as far as matchups. I think that they'll chase with, with their size of their two best players. I believe that, you know, maybe not as much as they'll probably chase James in matchups. 
Um, but the more that Maxi kind of steps up and he's able to defend on his own and then keep his scoring pace um, or improve it, I think that really, really helps our chances even more. So it's not really as much as a concern. I just think that his role and participation for this particular series, I think it probably needs to increase for us to win. Yeah, I, I had, I had Maxi too originally. So I'll, 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 I had, I had a couple, but Maxi was one of them. Um, just to say, my Maxi point, I'll, I'll pick someone else. I think he's the next most unguardable player we have. The guy who has the potential to go off the most for like 35, 40 plus. Um, I think we're going to need that, right? We're going to need just like we did against the Nets. Like that one fourth quarter where it was getting stagnant and Joel wasn't looking like himself, who completely lifted him, put him on our back. That Maxi did. Uh, I'm not that worried about James. James actually had his second highest uh, points this season against Boston, and he never had a game where he scored under 20 against them. I think it was 20, 21, 26, and 35. So, yeah, James actually played really well against them, um, probably because they don't double him. They probably just put smart on him and say, just, you know, just, just take him. Um, I'd say the next guy would be Tobias because Tobias was instrumental in the Brooklyn series. Um, without Tobias playing that well, we probably drop one, maybe even two to them in that series. Uh, he was he was so steady, and he's had two clunkers against uh, Boston. He's had two good games. So he's had two games where he scored four and five each, and then he's had two games where he scored, uh, I think, 18 and – 19. So interesting. One point up, one point up on each one, four and five and 18 and 19. So I think Tobias is going to have to step up, man. He had a game where he had zero rebounds. How do you have <laughs> 38 minutes power forward? You have zero rebounds, man. That's, that's incredible. Keep you on the perimeter and you guard the guy on the perimeter. That's how. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, But even like dumb luck will get, give you one. I mean, he had another one. Where he had also two. give you zero. <laughs> yeah, well, he had one game where he had two, one game where he had zero. So yeah, it's obviously a game plan they do they yeah. have with him. They pull him away from the he's pulled away from the basket. Yeah, yeah. Um but I'd say I'd say Tobias is my is my next guy. He needs to be steady as he was in the Brooklyn series. He needs to be aggressive. And if he has a matchup he likes with a smaller guy, just take him. Don't even think about it. And I think he did a great job with that at Brooklyn. And he'll have similar type of size assignments. Brooklyn's not an easy team as far as they can switch. They have a lot of guys that are in that six, 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 eight range. So they have a lot of guys that could have guarded Tobias and a decent job. Tobias just showed up. So, so um, just I don't mean to cut you off, but I want to ask yeah, you before who who has like I haven't really paid attention to the starting lineups. Are they starting Horford and Williams? Uh, in his past series, they started uh, in one of the games. They started, um, yeah, I think they're still leaving Rob Williams on the uh, on a mid restriction. He's coming off the bench still. Yeah, yeah, they're starting. They're starting. They're white. They started white. Started. Yeah, they're white starting. Yeah. So okay, I, I was just saying that'll be interesting because based on what we're based on what you're saying with Tobias, it it my perspective is different based on like who they start. You know what I'm saying? If, they, if he's going against Al versus or going against, you know, Brown, like he, he would probably have to guard Brown. Yeah, I. They'll probably put. I mean, Smart will go. Unless they put Smart on Maxi, that Maxi will guard Smart, and they'll put James on Derek. Yeah. Then Derek White will probably guard. Actually, they want to keep Derek's got a little more. Uh, they're both pretty lengthy, actually. They can go either way, white on uh, Harden or white on Maxi. Those aren't bad matchups either way. White's not a bad defender by any means. Um, and then, yeah, I pro I would personally put Brown on on Tobias. And then I put Tatum high. I, mean, I think, I think who, whoever guards, now that we're on it, I believe whoever guards – James is probably whoever is better at switching the pick and roll. And that's probably smart. This yeah. Physical, um, and a switch. Yep, that's um, true. So, but my thing was like, okay, 
even you may we may have our assignments of who we want to defend the majority of the time almost 50 percent of the time or, or more you you're going to defend who defends you just from a simple transition defense standpoint you don't have time to cross match um i have no idea how they would play um tobias like i said i, I would think brown yeah you know it's interesting the browns listed as the guard um <laughs> and Tatum's listed as the forward. Mm -hmm. Yeah, well, whoever regarding those two games <laughs> locked his ass up. So they'll probably they'll probably whoever who had his assignment on those two games will probably give it to him again. Yeah. Um yeah. Um okay, so following up with that, uh talking about the Celtics lineup. Um who, who do you guys think is the Celtics most important player um versus the Sixers in this series? Al Horford. Because of because of the defense on Joel. And his ability to stretch and shoot the three. Yeah. If he's pulling Joel out and he's doing a decent job defending, that's that's that'll be tough. That's a good one. I was gonna go Derek White just because one of my friends is a really huge Boston fan, and he was he told me. I think during game five that Derek White's been like their mo one of their most consistent. He was like their Tobias in that he's series. He's been playing well. He has yeah, been he's, like, he's like White. He's like Tatum's been non-existent during quarters and stretches at a time. I um, mean, yeah, he's had big games too, but I've also had like quarters where I'm like, is Tatum even playing tonight? Um, but he's like Derek White's just been so consistent. Um, Brogdon, to me, Brogdon has helped Derek White play better because yes. he's, he's cut down on some of the responsibilities that came on, on to White. Um, so that's, I mean, that's why I'm saying Al, because of the fact that we don't really know what my, my, my defensive concern for Joel was his, whether he can, you know, inside out and stretching and if, and that's why I'm saying Al. So I think it's kind of related. Yeah. Standpoint. Um, them playing Williams to me, my, and somewhat in my opinion, helps Joel, um, from a defensive perspective, yes, because he can take some time off on those plays, and he don't, and he's he's not aware about him popping for the three. Maybe pick and roll. He's, he's cut. Yeah, he can yeah. still defend. And he don't have to worry about him popping, which means he has more ground. Mm. Um, but without, you know, even if someone is isoing, he, he's going to be at that three point line, and he's going to shoot it. Yep, he's got the green light for sure. Um. Yeah, just some um, overall thoughts. I may as well put into this this area. Um, some quick stats I found. Um, we only had one game in our four games versus Boston this year where we had a fourth double-digit score. So three out of the four, we only had three double-digit scores, which is pretty crazy. Them, on the other hand, double-digit scores per game for Boston, five, six, six, and seven. So they doubled the amount of double-digit scores we had game to game. We were so top-heavy, and only three guys would score double figures, and everyone else would score like eight and six. Yeah, and then two of the games didn't Tatum have a uh, double-digit assist in two of those games because he really because I, I, if I remember correctly, he actually didn't do so well uh, scoring the ball against us in like two two of the games we played this year. Yeah, Tatum had some clunkers for sure. Um, assist, he was he was everybody else's uh, rise to the occasion. He had nine and eight in that game. He had. Six and six in the other game. He had six and 13 in the other game. So he was kind of just contributing everywhere. But the my next stat, it, it plays into that. So they shot, Boston shot 41% from three against us this season. 15 of those threes were from the bench alone. We shot 35%, only six from the bench. So every single time, and I'm sure you guys remember this, they would just be so hot against us. Anyone who shot the ball would hit it. Hauser. Uh, um, Blake Griffin was hitting shots. They just couldn't miss against us. So I'm hoping luck runs out eventually because they just couldn't miss. That's why Tatum didn't need to have a huge game against us because they had so many guys that were contributing in so many ways. I mean, he never even scored. Let me see. Oh, he did. He had one blowout game. The other three games, that was the first game of the season, actually. Uh, the other three games, he had 12, 18, and 19. Um, 
Brown, on the other hand, 26, 35, and he had one clunker. He had four points in one game. Um, so they're just a really distributed team. They have a lot of guys that can score. Um, he kind of the opposite. Else, he didn't play very much, right? Did he play much that game? The Probably last- not. He had, he had 18 minutes that game. So, yeah, that was that was the one. He didn't play much. Um, but, yeah, it's – it's a tale of two teams. They're very deep. They're very distributed. They, a lot of all guys can score double figures. We kind of have, you know, game got a team where like three or four guys score double figures, and the rest kind of contribute and like little a three pointer here and there. Yeah, I saw some one one of the Sixers Twitter accounts posted. If you if you hold um, Tatum and Brown to uh, less than five threes in in uh, each game, uh, in in, in uh, per game. They'll probably chances are they're losing. I saw like they had like a losing record when when both those guys combined for five threes or less in a in a game. So obviously they're having an off night if they're only making five threes between the two of them because they. I mean last night I think they had like ten combined threes between the two of them. Yeah, wild. Um. All right. Uh. So um. Okay. Talking about we we talked about who's the most important player for the Sixers, but who needs to be the unsung hero for the Sixers in this series? I know there's games where Melton stepped up uh, in that first round. Um. Our guy Paul Reese stepped up and showed that he can play with Harden in that um in that backup uh, uh, NB role. Uh. But who who needs to be the unsung hero in this series for the Sixers to win? Um. I think it's easy to say PJ. Um. But I'm gonna say Niang. Um, <clears throat> he's a guy that you know with their ability to go big and small. Um, I think he'll be he can be utilized, and I think if he's knocking down shots, um, because we we can break down their defense, and we can I think that they'll depend on one on one a little more. Um, so the more we can break down and he can hit shots, I think it will s- stretch their defense because they are more inclined to shrink and help and over-rotating, over-doubling and rotating. So the more that we can put a dent into that defense and have more guys knock down shots, you know, I would just kind of lean towards him as a sort of the unsung hero that we kind of need. Bang, bang. Yeah, Niang's either had a really good game or just a really, really bad game. He's almost – I mean, he's bad. He's, like, unplayable. Um, Like in the Brooklyn series, he had – Two games where he shot. Oh, he shot pretty well the other game. He didn't shoot any threes, though. Um, and the other game, he didn't shoot at all. It was 13 minutes and no shots. Weird. Um, I'm going to choose. Yeah, there's a few in this one. I wanted to go McDaniel just because I think he'll be able to put in some good minutes. He's a good guy that will be able to guard, who gives some good minutes to uh, Tatum and Brown. Um, one of the few bigger, lengthier, and fast guys we have. Um, because you can't Tucker can't be. I mean, he's gonna have to play many minutes on those guys, but he's gonna be exhausted. And you still and Tucker and still needs to have energy to be able to chase those rebounds down. So um, I'm gonna go uh Paul Reed just because of Embiid's injury and saving minutes here and there. And in case Embiid does have to miss a game, you know, um we had the does it does it so I wanted to ask this earlier. Do you think it also helps that we played one of the games in Brooklyn without Embiid? The last game, like not only for their confidence to say, let's say MB can't play game one. Well, we're like, well, you know what? We just closed a, a team out in game four to win without MB. So I think it helps that they've done that and they've done it during the season. It helps from going in and saying that we won without them, but it's still brand new. You know, yeah. It's a series, new team, tough place to play. It's still brand new. You know, it's, it's it helps that we, we, we have that inner confidence that we we can do it and have done it without them, but it's still fresh. Yeah. Yeah, no, for sure. I got to say, in Paul Reed's confidence, if you're going to do like a, a, a graph throughout the season, it's probably the highest it's been in his career right now. So I love that he's feeling good. We're going to need him to feel good. We need him even he comes in for eight to, eight to 14 minutes a game, just like, you know, hitting hard, playing, playing great defense, hitting good putbacks. I mean, um, I think Paul Reed's going to have to be really big in those uh minutes when they spell um mb yeah all right so now we're getting to uh prediction um okay so we're gonna start off with game one prediction which i just look at the spread uh the opening line for this is seven and a half they have boston winning by seven and a half points um at home oh man i hate that it's terrible um 
Well, I mean, they, they were like an 11 and a half point favorite um, for their their closeout game at home when Atlanta beat them. So, I mean, spread doesn't mean everything. But yeah, so seven and a half point favorite at home Monday night uh, or in Boston Monday night. Who do you guys have uh, in game one of the series? I think we get game two. I don't think we get game one, but I think we cover. Uh, Boston wins. I think it'll be a close. I, I think it'll be like final minute, 30 seconds. We'll be down with like two possessions. That cover is going to be so close, man. That's going to come down to like how that's going to come down to how much we try to foul them and get back in the game at the end of the game. And they keep hitting free throws to go up by a lot. I think they win right on that mark. I think they win by like seven or eight. All right. So, yeah, I think we recover, but it, yeah, that we wouldn't. Sorry. Yeah, so, but, but both you guys have potentially, if we lose game one, we 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 win game two. Is that what you guys are saying? That's what I would say. Yes. I need to see how Embiid looks, man. <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, I'm saying obviously. it based. I'm saying it based on him being him, Joel. Yeah. Look like a close game, and he plays all game. He's going to play in game two. Yeah, I think. I mean, Boston. Hey, they lost to Atlanta at uh at at Boston, right? I mean, there's no reason why we can't steal one from them. Yeah, I'd say good bets for us to come back for game two and win. Yeah. Uh, okay, so then we're gonna go with the series prediction. I'm looking at the betting line for that. Um, Vegas has uh, Celtics as minus three minus two twenty minus three ten minus three ten series favorites. We are plus two fifty underdogs. Uh, so you put a hundred on that, you win back uh, two fifty for for that. So. Uh, not bad, but uh, who do you guys have in the series, and how many games do you have it going? Sixers and six. My Ooh. hope, fingers crossed. <laughs> Man, so tough. Those lines, man, they're they're so brutal. Um, and they're begging you to take us with plus two fifty. Don't you? Don't you think so? I don't know. I think people are up. I think people are, are thinking the Embiid's injuries that, that bad that, that that's why everyone's kind of going with ball. Yeah, that's such a weird X factor. Um, he's used to playing injured. This is such a big season. They have to. I mean, they, they're going to leave it all on the floor. I'm going to go. I'm going to go us and seven. Damn, Josh, it's you're giving me flashbacks of uh, the game seven um, of the 20, 2012 season. Mm. My confidence level is not high in that pick, though. I will say that's that's uh, I that's my heart getting some words. That makes two of us. <laughs> you chose six. You you, you gave yourself a because I can't see us winning the seven in Boston. Yeah, I know, I know. That's historically speaking. <laughs> that's true. Hey, we we came close to that twenty twelve uh that twenty twelve yeah. game. But Rondo hit like three bank shot threes at the end of that game. That was ridiculous. Yeah, I mean. Comments of a lot high. I just and being it's, it's, it's more hope than anything for me. No. Yeah, yeah. I just feel like when I chose seven, it's good logic that you had that we wouldn't be able to win in Boston in Game Seven. I just think it's gonna we're gonna need to take it all the way to the to the end, the limit to be able to beat them. Um. Yeah, I feel like there's just more pressure on us, whether it's outside noise. I don't know if players listen to that stuff or not, but I feel like we just have more pressure on us with the, you know, if there, like Harden's possibly gone, Doc can be gone, you know, more could possibly be gone. I don't know, but I think they, they have similar ones too. Their coach might be gone. Jalen Brown might be gone, they said. Yep. Um, and, and they've they've kissed that trophy numerous times and haven't closed the deal. If yeah. anyone's got championship uh, pressure, it should be them. It should be we them. You're right. Got out of the second round. What, what the hell do we know? Like championship. I mean, playoffs, playoffs. I mean, yeah. like it, it's they're the ones that have gotten up there a bunch of times and couldn't couldn't close a deal. Man, I, I think they have just as much pressure, if not more, than we do. It should yeah. be, but it's, but it's never the narrative though. It's always it's always the Sixers have to blow it up because but. it's the individuals. I think as a team, as that group goes, I think they have more pressure. But when you individualize it, Embiid, multiple MVP winner probably this year, two-time runner-up, nothing to show for it. Harden, a lifetime of scoring uh, um, admiration, nothing to show for it. Doc, lifetime choke art except for the one Boston ring, hasn't shown it since. So it's like individually we we kill them in pressure, but as a, as a group, I'd say they have more pressure. Eric, do you agree with that? Um. 
I wouldn't necessarily say they have more. I would say it's probably a good shared amount because I think the the pressure the pressure is coming for both teams. I think the pressure that we have is coming from the perspective of not all being sixer pressure. You know, I think a lot of James pressure comes from Houston, but that pressure is still there. That's um, true. I think that um, from Boston, you know, a conference finals, finals last year, coaching change, possible Brown free agency. Um, that's 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 different too. I mean, so I think that both teams have a, a, a high intense amount of pressure. Um, and I think one thing that we didn't mention that I think has brought an intense amount of pressure to both teams is both teams could arguably have home court advantage for the rest of the playoffs. Very true. So now that's what's hard to happen. <laughs> that's hard to get. And yeah. you could possibly be facing that and looking at that with a series win in this particular case. So yeah. that has just added, and I think that's on both teams. So that's why I think it's the shared pressure that may not always look the same, but I think is very level for the two teams. A lot of people are calling this the Eastern Conference Finals. Yeah, very level. And that's and that's it's fair to say that, you know, based on how things has played out thus far. Uh, since we were talking about that, uh, on the other side of the bracket, who, who do you guys have winning that series, Knicks, Knicks or Heat, and how many games? I think New York pulls it out. Yeah, I think New York pulls it out. Being that Randall was healthy, if he's back and healthy. Yeah, that's a, that's a huge one. If, if Randall's out, I think Heat, because then it levels the playing field with them losing Hero. And I just play. think with, with New York, I think they're going to be a tough out at home. They're playing really well. Jalen Brunson is a winner. He's they're just a lot. They're a lot deeper too, man. He's tough and he's a winner. Yeah. Um, and Hero being out, I think that's going to catch him. It's yeah. Made him better defensively, um, but I think that other it's going. You know, I think it'll catch him. And Butler's soaked up a lot of that pressure and a lot of that that scoring and a lot of the playmaking, but yeah, it's just a lot of deep runs every year, man. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. You look at Jimmy. Jimmy's played great in the playoffs. But maintaining that every series is tougher. It's tough. And I don't know what the hell happened to Cavaliers defense. They were a top five defense in the league this year, but um <laughs> so bad matchup. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, I, I actually say I probably say New York, even though I look at it and I, I I favor Heat at first, but I think as it goes along, they'll look like a different Heat team. He can't I mean can't sustain that all series being the only guy. There's no other guy to really do it. Bam, Bam's not really a scorer. Like Hero is the only guy who could. Hero in a lot of ways is like their maxi, a guy who can like go off like thirty plus. But he, you can't, you can't do that. But I also think Tibbs will make an, an adjustment, unlike Bud in his half. You know, just yeah. not gonna play drive the whole game. The whole season. Yeah, yeah, do something different. <laughs> a different conversation. Speaking of pressure, he's he's going through it right now too. I'm just saying, do something different. I believe that Tibbs will try some different things. Did you think that was a push off the end of that game for the he Butler? Did. He pushed, but it wasn't called, so he can't review. Yeah. But they also had a timeout. You think it was a mistake not to keep Brooke Lopez out there guarding the rim? My thing is, if I'm talking about that, I would have broke on the ball and Giannis at the rim. Yeah. Yep. Yep. With two seconds left. I mean, that was, you know. Man. Got to have some a bigger guy at the rim. But you also put in guys in the game that, that weren't in the game. Yeah. Huntington wasn't playing. <laughs> he wasn't in the game like that. He wouldn't be able to push off Lopez or Giannis right there. Tell you that much crazy man yeah you know it was it was you know some other stuff you know adjustments they didn't make that happened the previous game <laughs> so that's another issue um but yeah it's gonna be interesting to see the uh, the uh, mitchell robinson because robinson well i don't think he'll be able to bang uh, against Bam, like the way he did to uh, Cleveland's bigs. I mean, he bought he was botting those guys and it showed that uh mobley and uh jared allen he's again the weight room this offseason no, I mean, it's just 
different. You know, those guys aren't getting the ball and getting plays and running the offense through. So I don't think Mitchell would do anything different. Bam was just a different player. Right now, Bam's better than those guys. Yeah. <laughs> That's it. I mean, not bigger, but he's, he's a better basketball player right now. Um, that's what I said. Is this matchup? We'll see. Yeah. He might be their most important player, actually, Mitchell. As far as like defense and offense, what he has to do on the court. Yeah. If, he, if he shuts down Bam, then all they have is Butler. Well, Struess does go off for like 20, 20 uh, his 24 spot is 8 3 spot. <laughs> yeah, he's good for a go off game series, I guess. Yeah. All right, well, that does it for us. We'll see you guys Tuesday as we discuss game one and also preview game two of the Sixers and Boston Celtics series. All right, fellas, have a good weekend, everybody. All right, take it easy. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.